And that one's hit well, deep in the left field, and Alvarez has done it again! Oh my goodness! He has put the Astros in front! A two-run home run makes it 3-2 to two Houston! You don't go to the bathroom, you know, you wait. You hold it until after he hits. And uh, like I said, that was the same way with Barry Bonds. You know, like you, know, you don't talk to anybody, you just pay attention. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we got the same anticipation. I mean, it's hard to keep hitting it out, but when, he, when you're um, concentrating at a high level like that, you know, he's getting the pitch and he's not missing. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking as an old guy, I know how hard it must be for Dusty Baker to hold it when uh, Jordan Alvarez is coming up. He mentioned Barry Bonds there, Kevin, and uh, fitting because he yesterday Jordan Alvarez became only the fifth player in baseball history to be intentionally walked in a postseason game when there was a runner in first, but not on second or third. The others were Mel Ott. I remember that game. It was 1937. Frank Robinson in 1970. Willie Stargell in 1979. And Barry Bonds in 2002, 2003. Um, I guess the key with Jordan Alvarez, Kevin, is you got to keep you got to keep the guys in front of him off the base. And we saw that later on. Right, Jeremy Pena walks. Scott Service gives Jordan Alvarez that intentional pass. Alec Bregman comes up, drives in Jeremy Pena. Yeah, it might be guys. I think you said the right word. I don't think it's just a guy anymore. I think it's guys. You know, Jose Altuve may be the most important piece in all of that lineup is because if you're only it's only one guy in front of him on base you'd think about walking him all the time like not some of the time all of the time you just can't let him beat you now the Barry Bonds thing's a bit strong for me I've seen Barry Bonds do it consistently over and over and over again but Jordan Alvarez man is to cover you know what he's covering at the plate and doing it as simple as he's doing it you know we touched on this yesterday about the quiet lower half and the 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 simple movements, the the not overused movements. Now, a lot of guys have a lot of hand movement. They want to get a lot of separation from their front foot and their hands. The way he sets his barrel when he walks to the plate and he gets in an athletic position before he actually starts his swing sort of just simplifies and, you know, doesn't allow that movement with his hands to be as big because he's already, basically already set it there. So that allows him to cover uh, pitches that most humans can't and get to high velocity. They're trying to get him out up. I mean, there's no, there's no question on how they're trying to get him out. You saw Castillo early in the game trying to throw him. I think he threw him three chains up in a row, and then he got him to fly out on a fastball up. That's sort of what they're trying to do to him. They want to get him looking down because of the bat path. They still does have a little bit of uppercut swing because he's left-handed he's born that way it's a little bit more level than most left-handed hitters but they're trying to get him out up but you can't abuse it and for him to be able to cover 98 away with some movement after the pitches that he's been seeing i mean it's elite stuff scott service just walk him well then when in doubt walk him i mean even well if he it's did the, if it's the first it inning work out with, if it's the first inning with two outs jeff put up four fingers it well, doesn't make is- you any less of a man if you do that walk him that's me. This is this is the thing with with Jordan Alvarez. In addition to the home run yesterday, which uh, put put the Astros in front, 
uh, on their way to a 4-2 win and a 2-0 series lead. And in, in addition to that home run, it was the fear of Jordan Alvarez that put the insurance run into scoring position and opened up the possibility of, of, of Alec Bregman coming through. Look, I, I don't know what you do there if you're Scott Service. I don't like intentionally walking guys early in the game. I'm sure as hell not going to have Luis Castillo. I'm not going to have one of my. I'm not going to have one of my studs walk a guy early in the game. I, I don't know how else Scott Service. Uh, I mean, what else he, he? What else he does there? To be honest, I. I, I just don't. Um, you know, I. It's. It's. It's kind of. Anytime a manager makes a move and it backfires, you like to come on and say it was the wrong move. But I, you know that's that's why the Astros are that's why the Astros are so good. Munoz, you, Munoz you is on the Munoz is on the mound for his 103 miles an hour. The lefty is the best left-handed hitter right now in baseball. You have a righty stand on the on deck circle. You have a dude on the mound who throws 103. That's a no brainer. You don't even think twice about that. Like, yeah, there, there's no. It's late in the game. You're trying to give your team a chance to win. If Alvarez runs into one there, you have no chance of winning. At least if a guy gets a single, it's a. It's you're not separated as much, and you're at least telling your team that we're going to do everything possible to keep this thing close and give them a chance to win it. You know, in the next inning. So. Yeah, I don't it, it, right 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 now again this gets back to don't overthink it when in doubt walk him. I mean it's real simple. Don't don't overthink this thing. Just know that right now this guy is beating you. He's the one that's beating you. Going into the next game and say if we're going to get beat, it ain't going to be because of him. Somebody else is going to have to do it and I think that has to be the approach. You you can't overthink it like I just said. You just got to say going into it this is what we're going to do and we're going to live and die with it. Uh the uh other series will resume today. Of course, the Yankees and Guardians were rained out yesterday. 107 first pitch, Shane Bieber against Nestor Cortez. 437 today, it'll be Spencer Strider against Aaron Nola. That series is tied up one game apiece. And at 837 tonight, Tony Gonsolin on the mound for the Dodgers against Blake Snell. That series is tied up at one game apiece. We'll be joined by Adam Amin, the uh, play-by-play broadcaster with Fox Sports, who has a call of that series and Kevin, I, I just get the I get the impression in that series the momentum has shifted now because the pitching matchup heavily, heavily, heavily favors the Padres going home. We'll talk to Adam about that. Tim Kirkchen's going to join us in a few minutes as well to deal with, I guess, the biggest the biggest non playoff story yesterday that might have some implications for the Blue Jays. I don't know. Mm. Carlos Correa announcing that he's opting out of his of his contract <clears throat> with the Minnesota Twins. That means the free agent market this year will be composed of Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, and Dansby Swanson. Now, if you're a team, if you're a team that's uncertain about what you're going to do with your shortstop position, this is uh, this is an interesting off season. Yeah, for, well, for me, listening to Ross Atkins speak about the payroll and, and you know, the limitations, sounds like there was some limitations. You think they got enough money to get any four of those they're guys? Gonna have to move, they're going to have to move. They're going to have to move two people to do it. Absolutely. 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 And, they're they're not that, gonna, and then that not creates other right holes. Now. I mean, uh, most uh, is all those guys right-handed? Yeah. 
That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that for me. Again, you, you look at the Luis Castillo yesterday, the home run, the sinker away to Jordan Alvarez. To the Jays lineup, that's a good pitch. The slider that was down and in to – uh, uh, to Tucker, uh, that's a good pitch. That's down and away to the Jays lineup. That's why you want to solidify and get some balance in your lineup because now a guy has to use both sides of the plate, and when he doesn't and he messes up because you have balance. Now, obviously, those two dudes are great hitters, and most lineups can't have those two guys, but the point being is when you miss, the Castillo home run to Jordan Alvarez was a little up. It was running like crazy, and it was 98, but it's a little up, and it was to a left-handed hitter. The left-handed hitter got a chance. The right-handed hitter, <laughs> dude, that's a jam shot to the third baseman. Who's that sound like? The Blue Jays. That slider that's down and away, that was the home run to Tucker. What's that to the Blue Jays? That's a rollover to the shortstop. That's my point here is the balance of the lineup and these right-handers and I mean, I guess, would that make their team better by having those guys at shortstop? Maybe that would make their defense better. That would make Bo maybe better. But does that make their lineup better? Huh? Maybe if you bring in Trey, Trey Turner out of those four guys, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's cooking with gravy. But the other three guys, huh? I'm okay I, with I, Bo playing short. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you and Trey Turner. If I had to choose if I had to choose anybody out of that four, I would, ab- I would absolutely take Trey Turner, left-handed, right-handed, hitting in the middle. Whatever. doesn't matter is. to me. Yep. Uh, bottom line is if you make that move, you do make your team better, but you're also probably going to end up looking to replace Teoscar Hernandez's offense and somebody else as well uh, because you're going to have to make moves in order to free up that payroll. And if you do that, that's going to complicate what you need to do in the bullpen. I'm with you. I'm sure it's going to be enticing. I'm sure people are going to talk about it. You don't mm-hmm. often see four players like that hit the market at the same time I, I i i don't know if it necessarily addresses the thing that's keeping the blue jays out of the playoffs or kept the blue jays i should say i don't know if it addresses the thing that cost the blue jays the wild card game uh the wild card series against the seattle mariners but it's certainly a it, it's it's certainly a talking point and man if you're if you're carlos correa you join that crowded free agent class you may have aaron judge in there as well. I wonder if you talk to Scott Boris, who represents those guys. I wonder if Scott Boris, in his heart of hearts, thinks that Aaron Judge is already that that basically he's going to resign with the Yankees. I've wondered about that. If what the game's high-powered agents, how they view what the Yankees are going to do with Aaron Judge. I just think he knows now that there's a bunch of contending teams who need shortstops. And and his clients can make more money doing it this year than they could in, in if they wait another year, if they keep the contract and opt out in other years. I think that's you – know, he's a smart man. He, he he gets his clients tons of money. It's all about money. Yeah, I'm sure he's done his homework and knows where Judge is going and has enough insight on – you know, I don't want to say moles because that's the wrong word, but, you know, he's got, I'm sure, feelers around and knows sort of what Judge would do in certain situations, this kind of money and what it would take and probably what the Yankees are willing to offer. So I'm sure he knows that already, but it's about well, making his, clear. It's about making his, his client money, and I'm sure he's got it all figured out the yeah, way he always gonna, does. I was going to say, let's be clear, too. If you look at teams, teams that quote-unquote have to do something, this offseason the Chicago Cubs yep. have to do something the mm-hmm. San Francisco Giants have got to do something yeah I mean, you know they do they need a face of the franchise they mm-hmm. need a core dude I would think the fact that those two teams are going to be in the market for marquee players that also has an impact on um 
on 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 some of these decisions. Again, that's Carlos Correa uh, reportedly opting out of his deal with the Minnesota Twins joining a crowded free agent class. Tim Kirchner of ESPN joins us now. Tim, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. We trust that you're you're doing well. I want to talk about the playoffs, obviously, but I know that you were in Toronto for the Seattle-Toronto series, and I wanted to get your take a little bit on what we saw in that series, but also just Carlos Correa. Uh, are you surprised he's opted out? And this is going to be a pretty significant free agent market when it's all said and done, isn't it? Yes. We'll start with Carlos Correa. I'm not surprised he opted out. And this is only going to make the free agent market even more robust than it was. He's still an elite player. He's a young shortstop. Somebody's going to sign him long term. And I talked to a team yesterday that we might need him as our third baseman, not our shortstop. Not that he's not a shortstop anymore, but in other words, teams are already looking at him at different positions. He's going to get paid. A lot of guys are going to get paid this this winter. It's going to be really nuclear. Um, As for, oh gosh, as for that Blue Jays loss, sorry, that's one of the worst losses I've ever seen, given Mm -hmm. When you have a seven-run lead, only two other times in Major League history has a team blown a seven-run lead and lost a postseason game, 1929. And then in 2008, the Blue Jays did that. And I was at that game, too. So it's happened three times in Major League history. And I was at two of those games. And it was was not good. But I, as always, take the high road and say the Mariners did some amazing things to get back into that game. They deserve to win, but that was a really bad loss for the home team. Tim, you have any idea if the, the Blue Jays would would be in the market for a new shortstop? Obviously, we know Bo is there, and, and we know sort of in, going in the offseason, they need more power out of the bullpen. We saw that. That's one of the reasons why they lost that game that we all know that they lost. They need balance in the in the order, and we know those shortstops that are available are all right-handed. Any chance that you think the Blue Jays would be in the market for one of those guys? I don't. Bobichet led the league in hits two years in a row. You guys all know this. He's a really good player, and I think they're, they have bigger issues. They don't have many issues. They're a good team going in the right direction. But I think they need to concentrate on some things, left-handed hitting, some other things, and I don't think shortstop should be the number one situation. Now, if Carlos Correa came to him and said, I really want to play here, let's go. Uh, maybe you move something around, but I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think it should happen. I, I think they'll stay with Bichette at shortstop because I think he's way, way, way above average at that position. Uh, Tim, what what are you making out of what, what we're seeing out of Jordan Alvarez in this postseason? I thought it was interesting, Dusty, dropping the Barry Bonds comparison yesterday. I, I mean, I felt bad for Scott Service. I don't, you know, I know the the easy the easy suggestion is just pitch around them all the time. I don't know if you can necessarily do that, but it's it's pretty apparent we're seeing something really special here, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And I'm not comparing anyone to Barry Bonds for a couple reasons, but just seriously, go back and look at those numbers again. They're just absolutely little league numbers. I, I use Willie McCovey as the comp for Jordan Alvarez, and that is some seriously – high praise. Willie McCovey in the late 60s was the most dominant hitter in the National League, and that's what this guy reminds me of, including uniform number 44 on his back. He does not miss fastballs, and that 
Robbie Ray threw two of them in a row to him. He did not miss the second one, that's for sure. And that's why the Astros are such a dangerous team. They pitch better than anyone in the American League. And their lineup isn't, isn't what it used to be, but that guy is the game changer, and he, he's already changed two games out of two in this series. Tim, are the Dodgers in trouble? Uh, Kevin, they're not in trouble. They, you know, they led the league in scoring by a large margin. They led the league in ERA by a larger margin. They have an elite defense. Um, and I think they're going to find enough starting pitching and whatever bullpen issue they might have, I think they hit, defend their way through it. Having said that, you would think a team with 111 wins would be the by far prohibitive favorite. And when I see the Braves and when I see some other teams, including the Padres, who are really dangerous, uh, you can't just say, oh, yeah, that's it. Brett Dodgers are going to win every series. Dodgers are now going to face Blake Snell, who's been brilliant for two months. Then they're going to face Joe Musgrove, who was great in the playoffs against the Mets. Uh, so they got their hands full. But I think one way or another, the Dodgers find a way to win. But it's not going to be easy, not this round, the next round. And if they get to the World Series, won't be easy there either. Nope. So what do the Cleveland Guardians have to do uh, against the New York Yankees? I think we, we look at the Guardians and we look at the Yankees, and it seems apparent to me that in – Guardians perfect world you get into the Yankees bullpen early and force Aaron Boone to make some decisions that he otherwise may not want to make but you got to score runs to do that don't you right and the Guardians are not going to score many runs okay we love how different they are than every other team they have more sacrifice flies than any team they bunt the ball better than any team they put the ball in play better than any American League team and all of that works in this day and age but it's not, I don't see how they can hit enough to win the World Series. But they've got Shane Bieber going today. When he's right, nobody hits him. Tristan McKenzie will pitch the next game. When he's right, he's really difficult to center up also. So I think the Guardians are a pain in the neck to play, but I just don't think they have enough offense uh, to go real deep into this. And let's face it, you're right. Getting into that Yankee bullpen would be critical. But those four Yankee starters, or at least three, are good enough to keep the bullpen you know, down for at least six innings, I think. And that might be enough for the Yankees uh, to get this done. Tim, whenever you whenever you look at the Phillies, you look at Rob Thompson, you look at their lineup, you look at the first two guys in Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hawkins, I, I saw a stat where the last four games in the playoffs, they're one for 34 with 14 strikeouts. And we talk about changing lineups all the time with the Blue Jays, you know, maneuvering people around and putting them all in the best positions. But I wonder this time of the year, those are eye-popping. Like those stats, one for 34 with 14 punches between two guys, that's a lot. Any chance you think, Rob, they show up today, you see the, the lineup, and those two guys are somewhere other than one, two in the order. I don't see that happening. They've won this way, and I think they have to stay this way. I think it's too late. And Rob Thompson's MO, and I've gotten a good look at him in this series since I'm calling it for radio, is these guys love him because he stays the course and he never panics. You move those guys around, I think that's a bit of a panic sign. It's not just those two. You know, you put Rail Muto in there, too. They're mm -hmm. four for 49 in this postseason, uh, those three guys together. And Hoskins is 0 for 8, 0 for 9 with six strikeouts against Spencer Strider. He's going to be pitching today. So there's, there's a lot going on here. But I think he stays the course and hopes that Schwarber, who's hitless in his last 
30 at-bats in the postseason dating back to last year. Uh, he's got to get going, and it's got to start today. Hey, Tim, uh, Spencer Strider, of course, got the multi-year contract with the Braves on the eve of their first playoff game, and that's a little out of character for Alex in that he's he's been quick to commit to position players, less so with pitchers. What is it about Spencer Strider that makes him that makes him such a good gamble for this type of a of a contract? Well, he got to 200 strikeouts in fewer innings than any pitcher in any season in the history of Major League Baseball. That, not just a rookie pitcher, any pitcher. He averaged 13.81 strikeouts per nine innings this year. The only pitcher to have a better rate than that, 100 or more innings, was Garrett Cole a couple years ago. That's how good this guy has been. I saw him on opening day this year against the Reds, and I went, whoa, what is that? Mm. And he added a breaking ball in the offseason. So when we saw him very briefly in 2021, you know, he threw a couple innings through really hard, came back with a new breaking ball, and suddenly he has been unhittable. And he's not very big, and he throws really hard. And he is the biggest difference for me that the Braves are better than they were at this time last year. The key today will be how many innings will he throw, can he throw. He hasn't pitched in 25 days, and now he's pitching an enormous game for the Braves. Timmy, good stuff. We're going to let you go and get set for the game. Thanks so much, my friend. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Jeff. See you, Kevin. Bye. See you. Tim Kirchin, the great Tim Kirchin of ESPN, and uh, he'll have the radio call. He'll be part of the radio crew for that Phillies uh, Brave series. Kevin. Jeff, 25 days between starts and you throw 100 miles an hour, does that matter? Is that, is that a big deal? Like max effort? and You know, he's, he's a lot of the times free, and he's got the big giant tree trunks for legs. He's got a good base. He understands how to throw hard. But, man, like big game, thought, game three, like matters as much as this does. You haven't pitched in 25 days. You think that's going to matter? I've always thought it matters more with guys who are, I'm not going to say soft. Touch and pots, feel? Or, uh, yeah. I, yeah. You know, I, I'm sure – yeah, I, I'm sure 100 will be there. Um, and I think it's always been a, for me at least, it's always been a bigger issue with guys who don't have that in their in their arsenal and just can't rear back and Trying to it, get it. it. Yeah, and saying. equalize. Yeah. You know, if I don't have the feel of a certain pitch, well, I've got 100 in my tank. I can mm-hmm. I can use that until I get my feet on the ground. Um, but, and, and I also, frankly, I'm not entirely certain the Phillies would be the hardest the hardest team for him to face, uh, the hardest team for him to face right now. For the Phillies to win this series, Aaron Nola is going to have to outpitch him. It, it's that simple. I don't have any. I don't have any faith at all. Yeah, they got to play a clean game uh, for me. Like the, we saw Reese Hoskins not make the play on the Olsen yeah. ground ball. I mean, that's got to be made on the on the road. You got to make those plays. Now they that's have the I Phillies, think, right? They, that's they, the absolutely. Phillies. They have been on the road for what eighteen days or something. That's a long time. Maybe coming home will help that crowd. They'll feed off the energy. But they got to play clean get baseball to to win games, especially against good teams. Most teams do, but I think the Phillies really have to to play almost a perfect clean game to beat the Braves. And it'd be interesting just to see how both starters attack a lineup and maneuver through it because it's about strider just don't throw it down the middle right yeah. and maybe throw enough strike once that that gets him in swing mode he does that because he throws as hard as he does he's well, got a good enough breaking ball he'll be all right and, and i think we also saw in in game two the thing that really separates the braves 
from the Phillies for me is the fact that they don't need the long ball. Obviously, the long ball wins in the postseason, but we saw them string together two out hits, and you know we saw their approach. And that that that's one of the things that comes from I think being there. Uh, I don't think the moment is too big for the Braves. I don't think I don't think things speed up for the Braves for any of the Braves players. Frankly, this may be. This is the guy who wasn't with them, right? This is the guy who didn't pitch in the World Series or the postseason last year. He, this is, yeah, he's hungry, but this is also, you know, it's going to be the first time for him. And right? and, and, and since he signed the big deal, too. The big deal adds a little bit more pressure. You think it does? I mean, earn your you know, contract kind of thing. I'll, I'll tell you what. I don't, I don't think it does. I don't think it does when you give it out the way the Braves – gave it out. I don't think it does announcing it on the eve of the postseason. Um, no, nah, I just don't. I, w- I was thinking about that when the announcement was made. And in a lot of ways, I think it might remove the pressure because it's all about winning with these guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Spencer Strider goes out. Let's say he goes out and doesn't perform well. Well, he's got the 25 days, however many days off it is. He's coming off the oblique. I mean, there are a ton of built-in excuses if he doesn't perform well. I don't think anybody's going to look at at a shaky outing today from Spencer Strider and go, "Okay, that contract is uh, that contract is uh, y- y- you know is 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 a silly contract." Um, but and, and everything you hear about this guy is that he is, you know, he's. He's going to be. He's Let's not be forget to. He's trying he's to do it. He's had his TJ. He's had well, his TJ. Well, he's right? trying to do it in Philly too, which is not the easiest place for a road team to go in, and a young guy trying to be the guy. Like he's trying to be the guy there with yeah, the Braves. See, I'd almost rather. I'd almost rather do that on the road than at home. Maybe. To be honest. Maybe. Uh, yeah, because you know the one thing about the Philly crowd too is if it's if it's scoreless in the fourth inning and the Phillies have struck out a bunch. And they're booing you know, that, home that over gets exactly that over gets thrown up on the board. I guarantee you they'll be harder on Kyle Schwarber than they'll be on than they'll be on Spencer Strider. Great point. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is. It, it look, it's a departure for Alex to to give out multi year contracts yeah. to pitchers. Well, it's almost like when you're a young guy there and you think you're getting paid. Well, it's almost like well he got paid. I'm next. Like you, you sort of. It's just sort of a trickle down effect. The guy I'm going to be watching very, very closely today is Acuna Jr. Uh, because I still think that you you talked about guys maybe being motivated. That was a guy who that is a guy who's motivated because he had no role in them winning the World Series last year. He was hurt, and I'll, I'll be interested in seeing how he responds to that to, to getting hit by that pitch. Because yeah, uh, he's you know he's he's. This is a big. This is a big series for him. This is where he's the one guy that really needs to make his bones in this team. Yeah, he's got a little toppy in him, right? Where he's, he gets on base, he's running around the bases with the hair on fire and that kind of thing. Austin Riley's the guy for me. He, he's a he's a big dude with with big moving parts. I think the layoffs hurt him a little bit when it comes to his offensive side. He's a good defender. He works hard on that, uh, so he's going to defend the baseball. But I, that's the one guy for me is can he get a big hit for them? Like they need a big hit early in the game, take a little pressure off the the young guy on the mound and. And again, they've been there and done it before. They realize what that is, but sort of a little bit of that. You need your best players to be the best player on the team. And for me, Austin Riley's that guy. And he gets a couple of big hits. I think they'll they'll do what they are supposed to do. Eight thirty-seven tonight is the time of the first pitch as the Dodgers take on the Padres. That series is tied up one game. 
piece. Tony Gonsolin on the mound for L.A. Blake Snell for the Padres. That place is going to be rocking. That is Dodgers-Giants is a rivalry. It's a historic rivalry. But in recent years, Padres-Dodgers has also become uh, a really pronounced rivalry. Part of that, I think, the reason it's been... Uh, it's increased so much lately. It's not just because the Padres are spending money, but because Manny Machado is involved in it. And, of course, Manny Machado was with the Dodgers. He's now with the Padres. Adam Amin will have the call of the game for Fox Sports. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're just a couple of hours away from a couple of hours, but ninety minutes away, I guess, from first pitch. That bitch, Yankee Stadium. Yeah, not used to these one o'clock, one o seven starts. Shane Bieber against Nestor Cortez. It's an off day in the Astros-Seattle series. Spencer Strider will take on Aaron Nola. 437. Tony Gonsolin against Blake Snell. Of course, all games are on Sportsnet. As, uh, well, the Guardians look to even up their series. It's That's going to be awfully hard, even though I, I know I call them to win Boy, the series. Just, it's going to be awfully hard. How quickly flipped that? That's going to be hard. That's okay. I'm all right with it. Uh, Strider against the Phils. That series is tied at one game apiece. We mentioned San Diego. And L.A. is one game apiece. Kevin, Dave Roberts saying Tony Gonsolin is good for 75 pitches. Uh, Dustin May and Andrew Heaney are options to follow. You know, I was thinking about this. Even though the Dodgers want, ha, have won a World Series, it's remarkable how... And and I don't know if there's a lesson here for the Blue Jays, but it's remarkable that the two big market teams in the postseason right now, the Dodgers and the Yankees, their bullpens are a mess. You know, the yeah. Dodgers, the Dodgers basically punted Craig Kimbrell to the curb. Mm-hmm. He stinks. Uh, you know, Araldis Chapman is suspended, but even even if he was on the team, there was no guarantee on the Yankees. There was no guarantee that you were going to get anything on him. It's just kind of odd, isn't it? Like, I'm, does, does this say anything for the Blue Jays here about? Because we know the Blue Jays are going to run out in the offseason to try to put a, put a bullpen together. Uh, it, it just seems odd that these two teams are in a situation right now where you, it's almost like you're trying to avoid their their bullpen. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. you could honestly say that. Why would Dave Roberts come out and say Tony Gonzalez only has 75 pitches? Why, 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 would, you, why would you tell people that? I don't understand I that. Think, I think most people Dangle the carrot in front of get, Don't let Bob Melvin know that. Like, why would you give him more ammo? Of course, more, he could also be lying. Well, why would you even say it? You'll see when he throws it how many pitches he's got. Like, I mean, have a little competitive advantage. I don't – that make me crash my head a little bit. I'm sure he's lying, but why even say a number is my point. Yeah, it gets, just gets back to depth and, and people not living up to expectations. It's a big deal this time of the year. And then you have to pivot. And a lot of the times, even if you're the Dodgers, even if you're the Yankees, when you pivot – that pivot sometimes is not where you want yeah. to go, and this is sort of what's happened. I, I do think the, and the Yankees Dodgers... case. Look, we got to say in the Yankees case. I mean, th- that's a that's an impressive run of injuries the Yankees got in their absolutely like that that really is, you know. And in, in in fairness, to Aaron Boone, um, just look at look at that Yankees bullpen when they were going well, 
and and look at its comp, compare its, the composition of that bullpen to the bullpen now. Yeah, if you would have heard that Wandy Peralta was the go-to dude in the in the you know the ALDS against the Cleveland Guardians, you would have laughed at whoever said that. But you could honestly say that's probably the case right now because. You know, he can get lefties and righties out. So, yeah, it's this just puts a lot of pressure on Aaron Boone to go to the right guy at the right time. We talk about all these managers. They're making their money. Boy, when playoff time comes and you're – who you going out there to get the ball from when you're taking it from the starter? That's a big deal. We, we saw Dusty Baker do it yesterday. Uh, you know, I was yelling, uh, who, why, why are you going to a righty and turning a guy around hitting left hand who's got 27 big ones? So it is crunch time for these managers this time of yeah, the year. Maybe. You know, maybe you shouldn't be all that surprised. I mean, for the past four or five years, we've seen managers use starters out of the bullpen. We've certainly seen seen managers use relievers as starters with the opener. But you, Nathan Uvalde, I mean, the, the, there's a, there's a ton of guys who pitched who started in series and also come out of the bullpen. It really does. Uh, I, I just find it well, odd that that I find it odd that, and I know we're we're joined by Adam Adam Amin, and I want to bring Adam into this discussion. Adam, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Uh, we trust that you're doing well. We're just talking about bullpens, and I I, I really do find it odd that I guess it shouldn't surprise us because the postseason it's do or die. But it's intriguing how many managers in the postseason suddenly throw a lot of stuff out out the window in this day and age of analytics. <laughs> You know, and they got they got starters coming in as relievers, and and you know we're thinking of Robbie Ray and 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 Jordan Alvarez in Game One. It's 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 still in this analytical day and age. It's still kind of surprising to see guys do that, isn't it? To to bring starters in and to kind of throw them into into leverage situations that maybe they're not used to doing, because that's what traditionally when we started talking about analytics, that was something that we talked about. Is all right, leverage your highest leverage situation should be going to your best arms. And that's why we, we started to get towards, all right, well, if you have a closer that you like a lot, all right, well, maybe we throw them in the eighth inning if you got the middle of the order in the eighth coming up and the bottom of the order coming out in the ninth. Who cares who gets the save? Get me the win, right? Get me the victory. So that's evolved over time. And listen, Dave Roberts has done this a ton, you know, for, for Los Angeles. He's done that a lot in his, you know, on near 80 playoff games that he's managed he's been very open about switching things up we saw it last year he went to max scherzer to close out a game when scherzer was part of the dodgers they did it against the giants kershaw's done this a bunch uh you guys mentioned robbie ray the other night they're willing to do it and again part of it is just lineup and roster construction you know the one thing that the dodgers uh one of the narratives about the dodgers world series run a couple of years ago is all right well well is it valid you know, relative to the rest of the rest of the titles, because you know it's a sixty-game season, it's in the bubble, et cetera. So, does it have the same value that it would have had if you know it was a one hundred and sixty-two-game season? They're they're kind of playing to validate something here at this point. And one of the major things about this particular format is you don't get twenty-eight guys to mix and match. You know, that's something that Roberts did last time around. I, I think he's going to have to dive into that a little bit tonight. You know, they're, they're getting set for game three. Tony Gonsolin's going to start, and that's essentially a de facto bullpen day. And Roberts wanted to throw him in game three, I'm guessing, because off day yesterday, bullpen gets gets to make sure they're they're set and reset, uh, reset and fresh and ready to go. And you're going to need that today. So how's that going to affect you in game four? How's that going to affect you in game five? Navigating through this in modern-day baseball is fascinating to me now. 
Yeah, just to think about this, the Dodgers could pitch Tyler Anderson in an elimination game. If I'd have told you that at the beginning of the season for the Dodgers, you'd have laughed at me. So that, that's yeah, something. That, yeah, absolutely, that's something too. Well, g- give me this for the Padres. Who do you think has to step up at home for them to take the next two games? I, I think really, if they're going to win this series, it's going to be the next two games, right? They got to take the next two. But there has to be a certain guy. Is there a certain guy for you for the Padres that has to really come up big for them to win the next two games? It, you know, it's easy to say this, but it does feel like it. It's Juan Soto, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, here's a guy that you went out and and gave you, know, you mortgaged a, a good chunk of your immediate future. You know, James Wooding traded, Mackenzie Gore getting traded. You know, some major prospects and 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 guys that have had some big league experience that were really good. You mortgaged a lot to bring Soto in, and th- these are the games that you came, you, you you had him come here for. Right, you you need him in the playoffs, and we showed it the other night what he did in, in the NLDS against the Dodgers a few years ago when he was with Washington. That's the type of Soto they need. Are you going to get a big hit in the eighth inning? Are you going to get get an extra base hit at some point, or are you going to do what you did in New York and try to bunt guys over and just try to get on base? And again, I'm not saying it's not the smart baseball play to make, and Soto is a pretty smart baseball player, but he is a, he's he is treated. He is viewed as, he is perceived as a superstar. And at some point, you're going to have to play like a superstar when you get to this point of the year. Well said. You know, Adam, I really got the sense coming out of game two that, and I'm not a huge believer in momentum. I think momentum is only as good as the next day's starting pitcher, which, you know, to borrow baseball cliche. But I, I almost got the sense that losing the first game the way they did it was it was reasonably close having you darvish go in the second game winning that game i really got the sense that that was mission accomplished for the padres coming out of la and they've got to feel awfully good about themselves right now i I think so and and you all you want to do is take one you know like it's this is a big deal to have a, a a change in home field advantage you know that's why that game one in houston was so you know momentous because you know, if Seattle takes that game, you, you change the entire temperature of the series. That's what happened in the wild card series for San Diego. They took the first game. They jumped on Scherzer in the first 10 minutes of that game. And then it was, all right, well, the, the, the temperature in the building feels a little bit different all of a sudden, right? And the temperature of the series feels a lot different all of a sudden after they took game two. And they grinded out a win. They made this a series. They stole home field advantage. And now it's best of three. Here's the number I'll give you. I'm sure this will pop up uh, on our broadcast at some point tonight. So there have been 39 instances in this format of teams splitting the first two games of a five-game series. And, and again, you take out the 2020 series because those were neutral sites. So these are with home ballparks, right? 39 instances of teams splitting the first two games in those 39 series the team that was going back home for games three and four won the series 26 out of 39 times, so two out of three times over the course of a, of a decent sample size. So that's how much it changes the entire temperature of the series. And I think that's exactly what San Diego was looking for. They quieted the crowd early. Machado hit the home run in game two in the first inning. You have to do that. You have to neutralize some of the noise. You have to do some of those things. You have to hold the top three in the order that's that's going to be the case for san diego tonight with blake snell you got to get through the first first inning you got to get through Betts, turner freeman and you hope that your offense gets you a run early and all of a sudden the, the, again the temperature 
of the game changes drastically. You, you think there's no doubt that he, that Blake Snell was pitching game three? No chance they were mulling over Joe Musgrove to throw game three at home? I think I think they were thinking about it. I, I think just the, the atmosphere, but I think they have Musgrove as a stopper. You know, yeah. in case you lose game game three. I think this is a, a little bit of the reason why Tony Gonsolin is getting the start for, for the Dodgers, too. Right, it's a de facto, like we said, it's kind of a de facto bullpen game essentially when Gonsolin is throwing right now. So, all right, well, it's one-one. If you lose, well, then we're going to throw Anderson, a, a, a full-blooded, full-fledged starter, in Game Four to try to save our season, and that's the case for San Diego too. All right, Snell didn't have a great start against uh, New, uh, against New York. He ended up taking the loss. All right, well, if he loses, we got Joe Musgrove, the guy we just paid a hundred million bucks to to try to save our season in Game Four. Yeah, he uh, uh, Blake Snell in that that wild card series game against the Mets gave up two runs, walked six over three in the third innings, and that was his shortest appearance since August uh, since August twenty fourth. And of course, the last time he was on the mound against the Dodgers in, in a postseason game, we all know <laughs> we we all know what we all know what happened. We all know what happened in that different team, Jeff. Different team. I know, but I loved what was his answer in his media availability the other day. It was one of my best starts. I'll keep it at that. Um, I thought that was was, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Would would someone ask him about that? Hey, uh, what's crowd going to be like tonight? I got to admit, I don't I don't think I've seen a game from San Diego on TV from some time. What do you think the crowd's going to be like tonight? You know, it's funny. I don't think a lot of people really have an idea as to what it's going to look like tonight because they haven't seen it, you know, in this atmosphere. It's it's incredible, guys. There have been 18 playoff games played at Petco Park since 2004 when the park opened, when they moved from Qualcomm Stadium. So since 04, 18 playoff games. The Padres have only played in six of those games because remember in 2020, Petco Park, Hosted a, a bunch of the American League games, including one of the champion, or including the championship series. So all of a sudden, you're looking at this and going, "Wait a minute! The Padres have played half the games that American League teams have played in terms of the playoffs in this ballpark. The six they played have all been against the St. Louis Cardinals. Only three of them have been played in front of fans, and the last one was played in 2006. Wow, 16 years. They've waited a long time for this. If if the writing is any indication about this game, then this is going to be one of the craziest atmospheres that, that we're going to see in the playoffs. And, and this is a common trend, right? If we, we broke all these, all these droughts or we had long stretches get, get knocked out in playoff droughts, Philadelphia is going to be that way tonight. Seattle is going to be that way uh, tonight. Um, same deal with, uh, with, with San Diego. That's how it's going to be. It's going to be like that in these atmospheres, and I'm, I can't wait. Adam, listen, we really appreciate yeah. your time. Thanks so much. And uh, terrific work through the series, man. Really enjoying your calls. Have fun. And keep it up. Have yeah. fun. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you very much. Thank Sorry. you so much. Take care. Adam Amin of Fox Sports. And and I, I got to tell you, I mean, his his call, the, the Dodgers – the Dodgers Padres series so far, the calls of those games have been have been terrific. And I'm I am really interested in seeing in seeing what San Diego was like. I covered the World Series there uh when the Padres were in the World Series uh against the Yankees. And uh it was uh and that was at Jack Murphy Stadium, the old stadium, football stadium. And you know, so you look at San Diego, you think, man, it's kind of a laid-back place, right? Mm-hmm. It was crazy. 
and I've gone to Chargers games there, and it was crazy with the Chargers. Yep. It was just crazy loud. So th- this will be intriguing to see what the atmosphere is in this in this ballpark. If you know if they can get up early in the Dodgers, uh-huh. th- that place will be rocking. Yeah, for, I mean, first, I'd, I'd love to see the Padres win this series. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, somebody different. I, I, I would. It'd be interesting to see Blake's now the extra gear. He's had the extra gear for some reason. What's the extra gear going to look like? The extra little motivation from the home crowd. How's he going to control that? Does he have to control it? Is it going to come out smooth and easy? He's not generating something with the lower half and trying to make up for it, falling behind. And how can the lineup for the Dodgers score some runs? Like, yeah. you know, Adam just mentioned all it's a bullpen day, basically. Uh, Gonsolin, you don't have no idea. He's pitched two innings in the last 20 days. You have no idea what he's going to give you. I mean, I know the 75 pitch but that could be two innings so they're gonna have to score tons of runs can they do it against Blake Snell and what's Blake Snell looking like with the extra gear so that for me early on is gonna be the interesting thing how's he control the atmosphere and can they get it down and get it singing and give Dave Roberts a little breathing room to not always have to make the exact right move at the exact right time be interesting yeah sad news in baseball today by the way Bruce Suter uh, just has passed away at the age of uh, 69. The uh, mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals announcing that Hall of Fame reliever. Um, I think he might have been the guy I voted for in my first ever Hall of Fame ballot. He was he was a terrific, a terrific pitcher, and uh, certainly his his loss will be felt around baseball. He's a terrific pitcher and even an even nicer man. Uh, it's that time of the show, Barker's Backleg Bits, where we uh, solicit your questions or we answer your questions. Questions for Kevin Barker. DMs are always open. SN Jeff Blair is my Twitter handle. We have a couple of people, Kevin, who weighed in on uh, just as Adam was talking about the Dodgers and about that World Series win. Do you think the Dodgers need another World Series win to justify the COVID yeah, I think- World Series win? I think there might be something there. Not for that reason. I think when you get in the playoffs, what you did in the regular season, it is for not. I mean, it obviously helps maneuvering you and putting you in the position to solidify what you're trying to do. But Dave Roberts came out and guaranteed a, a championship this year. Uh, that, for me, is like you almost got it. Well, you do have to be perfect. And, again, today puts a ton of pressure on him to go to the exact right move. If he doesn't, he's going to stick his foot in his mouth. Sometimes better just to say nothing other than to say something, and for me, that has more to do with it. Winning in the playoffs is a lot of luck. Forget it. It's not their fault that it was a pandemic season and they only played a certain amount of games in the regular season. You still had to go and compete and do it where you had to do it at in the playoffs and win baseball games, so not for me. But I think for me, it's more about Dave Roberts sticking his foot in his mouth and saying he's guaranteeing a championship. All right? Good luck. Uh, that, Van City Baller is an interesting question. Earlier in the season, the Jays were middling. <clears throat> All we'd hear from Jays fans was that they had one of the harder schedules in the first half, but would have but would have one of the easiest schedules in the second half, and they would catch up then. But when it comes to comparing Schneider's record to Montoyo, none of you guys ever bring that up. He literally started this interim manager stretch with a four-game series at home against the minor league replacements for the all-unvaccinated Kansas City Royals. I, I, you know. I, I will say this. When we talked about the easier second-half record, that was before we knew what the Baltimore Orioles were. Sure, in the first month of the season, we were all saying, man, if these guys can get through this rough stretch, they got all those games against Baltimore down the stretch. That is going to be easy. That's going to be a slam dunk. 
turned that's out. Exa- that's to exactly not be when you case. when you fire a manager too, so you can have your new manager come in hitting the ground running, so you don't look like an idiot. You're not going to fire him when you're facing the Dodgers and the and the Padres and the you know uh, some really good teams all in a row. You want him to hit the ground running, so that there's a reason why they fired him when they fired him. Uh, I don't really know what the point is there with that text. Do you have any I, – I mean, I guess that's a Charlie Montoyo fan. I don't know if it's a Charlie Montoyo fan. I think it's somebody who says we need to point that out more often, and maybe we do. I, look, I, I have – if people listen, I have said that it's not fair to, to compare the two managers because at the beginning of the season, every manager has to handle their stars differently than they do at the end of the season. It's a fact. And if you remember correctly, I was the first one to bring that up. So I think I've already said that. But I I just don't think you can argue, other than the one game in the playoffs, the way John has managed his team, the way the urgency was there, the way he moved around his order, didn't care what the name on the back of the jersey was. He was only playing for the name on the front of the jersey. You can't argue that. Bill Benner has an interesting question. Uh, he's talking about starters coming in as relievers and leverage spots. He said it's it's odd because more and more we, we see starting pitchers get lifted anytime they get in trouble and don't pitch under stress with runners on. Now we're seeing starters brought in in high leverage situation. He wants to know what kind of message is that sending to the uh, bullpen that's done the job all year? Because you have to. That's the that's it. Like you, you have to win these games, and you don't think the guy that you have down there now can get the job done. Uh, the, Dusty Baker is bringing guys in because he wants to. Uh, the Seattle Mariners are bringing guys in because they have to. That's the difference. Mr. Barker, as always, thank you for doing this. We will be off this weekend, but we will be back on Monday from... 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The fan, as always, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Enjoy the baseball.